0: episode of like dragon like sun my name is jack Otway, and i'm jay outway and we welcome you back to a father-son podcast on all things D and uh this week we are heading off to the high seas that's right sometimes you just wanted a good nautical adventure
1: yeah uh water adventures mm. uh, they're a thing in D. they've been a thing in D D for a while i mean that's why we have swimming speeds right uh yeah and so we're we're gonna look a little bit at so you know if your dm says hey we're doing a we're doing something with ships mm. we're going to sea we're trying ghosts of salt marsh um, I'm running a one-shot uh, this coming weekend, so, so I've been thinking a little bit about uh, all the things Ocean-wise. that might yeah. happen. What, um, what can you do, perhaps not as a DM, but as a player, to prepare
0: for an ocean campaign or even just an ocean one-shot? Right? Yeah. Like, what are your options to go to? Right? That gives you at least like a swimming speed. Maybe you can breathe underwater. Maybe there's like, a couple spells you could take. Absolutely. What can you do to optimize your time so you're not floundering around, sure. doggy? paddle um when you need to be hitting things
1: or and out. yeah there's so there's a few things that i think you need to expect if you're doing a, a shipboard uh sailing sort of thing mm. that at some point um quite likely quite possibly you're gonna find yourself in the water yeah submerged i think that's that kind of goes part and parcel with the setting mm-hmm. um the main reason as a dm you take people out into the ocean is so that they can Perhaps have an underwater adventure of some yeah, sort.
0: I mean what else is there besides things um, that live? Well you in can the have ocean.
1: islands, little coastal or, things. Yeah, other little and pirates. We were talking or... about this as well. Isn't it a bit irritating that, that with druids, you know, none of them ever like go properly to sea. They only go coastal. Yeah. So yeah, okay, I guess you're great if you're on a deserted island or on a beach along the coast somewhere, but out it's at sea itself or underwater, you're kinda like, Oh Well, let me turn into a little fish. They've got good spells for it, but they hardly get anything
0: um that helps them just in their class stuff or as even as a subclass option
1: um but there, there is, are classes that do give you sub-classes. yeah and there are some there are some tools so to speak that you can take um you know having a vehicle's water proficiency um is never a bad idea if you're heading off to sea mm. uh, that's sort of a there's a couple of backgrounds that give you that like Basic sailor, stuff. right? Yeah. And there are, so yeah, we've got, there's a few backgrounds. Sailor's a, a fun one. It also comes in a Baldur's Gate variety uh, sailor. Um, and, you know, it says things like discuss the nature of the ship you previously sailed on with your DM. You know, was it a merchant ship, a naval vessel, a ship of discovery, a pirate ship, famous infamous. Um, mm. Is it still sailing, missing, lost with all hands? You know, those sorts of things make interesting backstories if your, your character has been to sea before. Um, and there's also the the slightly different pirate background, uh, which gives you kind of the similar thing, except um, instead of, like, getting free passage on sort of almost any ship, you have this, like, bad reputation. Wherever you go, people are afraid of you. They're like, oh, there's, there's one-eyed John mm. or whatever. Um, and... Yeah, I suppose you might even have your own pirate flag or something. Who knows? That could be a fun thing, you know, making a reputation for yourself out on the,
0: on the whatever archipelago of, of, you know, lawless lands. I think it's an interesting concept for a, a campaign, but how do you exactly approach that? What do I do? I'm underwater. What are the rules if I'm just a plain old um, fighter with no swimming speed, no ability to breathe underwater? What am I looking at now? Uh, what are my options? What am I limited to?
1: yeah and interestingly enough that you answer you asked that as well if um if you're familiar with the new critical role book uh called the nether deep that's come out they even add a little bit more underwater adventuring mm-hmm. rules in it which kind of nice um it okay. does say hey look there's some standard rules and stuff but we're going to add a few more things to well, this let's
0: start with the standard rules maybe sure
1: so if you're swimming it's essentially just half speed right Mm -hmm. yep uh you can hold your breath for one minute plus uh additional minute for each uh constitution bonus you have so it's one plus your con modifier right yeah in minutes which is in combat terms a long time so Mm. um but yeah i mean you could easily have a character can hold their breath for four minutes like that's like the whole combat well more that's like four combats yeah um, is it, and it's quite a bit of distance if you think about how much even at half if you're moving at half speed how far can you go? You know, if you're dashing, you're still moving thirty feet in the water mm. uh, per turn, so three hundred feet per minute. That twelve hundred feet of swimming, yeah, uh, you can get before you, far you, you can before get back to the surface to, at that yeah. point. If you were twelve hundred feet down, and there's actually is some rules for this in I think uh, another deep as well
0: about pressure.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like there is, and it's up to you as a DM to decide how realistic. You need to make your underwater adventures. Mm. But, yeah, if you're deep enough, it'll crush you. Um, and 1,200 feet down is, like, ridiculous. Like, Pretty you know, deep. It's fast. Nobody swims right. that deep. Um, uh, yeah. And so, so yeah, D&D is, like, oh, a little broken. Um, also, uh, I guess it would be questions, like, and it's up to you as a DM to sort of think about this a little bit. <sighs> what happens if you've got a player wearing full plate, like, heavy and they armor? They hit the water and, they and they're hit the encumbered.
0: Water. Like, they're going to sink, you know? You know? It's
1: people it's carrying big bags so of gold um yeah i don't know is there swimming speed reduced even further or or encumbrance
0: they... do you make it they just start sinking there's like a sinking speed yeah. they have automatically each round that like you know unencumbered assumes you're treading right yeah. where otherwise most people just sink right people aren't really that buoyant to just stay where they are um
1: just like there's falling rules i say have sinking rules um, yeah i i uh, again, it, it depends a little bit on how harsh you want to be to mm-hmm. the situation, how fantasy you want to keep it. Um, anyways, it, the nether deep um, rules suggest that you can't keep swimming indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says after each hour of swimming, so we're assuming you're swimming on the surface mm-hmm. or have some means of breathing. Sure um
0: or you're a race with a uh,
1: breathing right and we'll, we'll get to that well and that's that. another sort of i think that changes things a bit for sure but for a person without any sort of innate swimming without the ability to hold their breath indefinitely uh like by magic or something mm-hmm. uh after each hour the character makes a dc 10 con save or gains one level of exhaustion seems fair yeah it seems fair right Mm. A couple um, things
0: with spells underwater as well. But it says
1: a creature with swimming speed can swim all day without penalty and uses normal force march rules. Mm. Um, swimming through deep water, similar to traveling through high altitudes, because of the pressure and cold temperature. For a creature without a swimming speed, each hour spent swimming at depth greater than one hundred feet counts as two hours for the purpose of determining exhaustion. Mm. Uh, and swimming Dangerous. for an hour at a depth of greater than two hundred feet counts as four hours. Wow! So that's kind of fun, right? right?
0: Yeah, that's kind of fun. Interesting. Um, it most also, people
1: don't get that deep, but no. I
0: guess call it another deep makes sense. Why you'd well, not have that? You know, right? light
1: becomes an issue the deeper you go as well.
0: And you can't use torches. You know, then it's the light spell becomes very useful. Certainly
1: does. Visibility underwater depends on water clarity and the availability of light. Unless the characters have a light source. Use the underwater ca- encounter distance table below which basically says like clear water and bright light you can see 60 feet clear water dim lights 30 feet murky mm-hmm. water no light 10 feet um and you could i suppose adapt this as well to say you know the deeper you go the darker it gets and the more the the you know vision is limited um yeah um and the in the amount of cold
0: increases you know well, that's um, where tritons are like supposedly in lore wise supposed to be and then they like their original staff they had like no cold resistance no dark vision and you're like well how are they were not, but if you get my point like what are they how do they see down here and how do they you know go against like their their environment it must be like a nightmare to live this deep
1: um, well and maybe they don't actually live that deep i mean the the idea that maybe they they only live within the first you know 40 feet of being underwater I think you'd like
0: find them pretty quickly right if like you could get their there civilizations
1: like, were just that that shallow like that seems like you most people would run into them now and again look well, could they could just find patches of ocean that are not that that deep i don't know
0: the lore says they're deep deep underwater dwellers
1: yeah in which, which case there's there's no light
0: yeah i don't know they must have dark vision or something
1: um but, but even dark vision only s- helps so much still like yeah i mean i would like to see a race with bioluminescence
0: that'd be cool yeah
1: yeah it does seem to me that you get to a certain point and if you're not creating and even light doesn't you create light at that depth and it still doesn't even travel that far like that's the whole bit of problem with it it's Mm. um it's getting harder to push through the the water itself it's true um so yeah, if you're trying to be super realistic with your underwater conditions, it's going to be a challenge to find find a way to do it that doesn't get too crunchy at the table, mm. that allows players to sort of, you know, have fun with it and, you know, explore the, the environment without playing, paying too, too many attention to sort of, you know, the physics of things. Mm.
0: Yeah. Well, what are my, my options then if I were to approach this as a player, right? Yeah, Um, I think the first thing we think of is race, right? There's got to be some races that are better adapted to the water. And you'd be right. There are so many options out there if you want to be an underwater dweller.
1: So here's a couple of things to keep in mind as well as a player, especially if you like some combat. um, Having a swimming speed, either natural or granted by magic, provides you with the ability to have all your melee weapon attacks working like normal Mm -hmm. so if you don't have a swimming speed suddenly all of your melee weapon attacks are at disadvantage right unless you're using a dagger a javelin which i suppose wouldn't necessarily i guess you could stab with it somehow i don't Mm know uh like a spear is on there as well you can
0: choose to use melee or range
1: yeah it ranges got a slightly different set of rules but yeah the it said you could use javelin here on here is this is like player's handbook stuff as a uh as a melee, melee yeah. weapon yeah, uh-huh. uh short sword spear trident i mean the list is really really tight um that they have on here
0: mm-hmm. Likewise, so it makes trident's pretty useful again what's the difference between a trident and a spear one's martial and weighs more and is more expensive that's the only difference
1: (laughs) no extra damage no extra power nothing nothing, you know
0: spear is just the same but it's anyone can pick it up and it's more you know it's it's cheaper it's lighter i mean i don't know why you wouldn't use a spear over trident cool factor maybe i don't know uh Mm.
1: Ranged weapon attacks automatically miss a target beyond the weapon's normal range So there is no long distance shooting underwater, uh, which is kind of crazy. Makes sense. Yeah. So if you're used to longbow or heavy crossbow sitting way back and being Uh, a glass cannon, you might find that, yeah, I mean, it's still not bad, but you're suddenly like, oh, I'm a bit closer than Mm. I used to be. Um, Anyway, so attack worlds have disadvantage unless the weapon is a crossbow, a net, or a weapon that is thrown like a javelin, spear, trident, or dart. Yeah. So yeah, as a rogue uh, underwater sneak attacks and stuff really tricky, man. Not, not amazing. Really tricky to pull off. Mm. So that's well. Unless to- you're a scout, scouts yeah. I believe get a swimming speed,
0: um, which makes up for things a little bit if you're you're struggling as a rogue. But here, let's get into some of the race options. Yeah. First up, if your campaign has this, I don't even know. These are, I think from a specifically a campaign adventure book that is all about them, the Lokatha. I don't think, I don't know if they'll be rep- reprised at all, but they're sort of an, a very niche fish race that gets a swimming speed of 30 feet, the ability to breathe air and water, but they're kind of the flip side where they need to be submerged once every four hours to avoid suffocating. So they're, like, maybe they can go into water, like to air from time to time, but they're mostly waterborne. They also get natural AC, some free proficiencies, and a Leviathan Whale, which tells you something about their lore right there. Advantage on saves against being charmed, frightened, paralyzed, poisoned, stunned, or put to sleep, which isn't bad. Um, they get bonus to strength, and dex, but again, if you're going with Tasha rules, you can kind of do anything you want. The thing I love about their photo is it's with a little, like, seal, or, like, a little, like, sea lion or something. And I just, like, imagine, like, a little... Drake Warden Lokitha with like a little sea lion friend. Yeah, it's it's sort of drawn almost like a familiar or something. It's kind of Mm, cute. It's very cute. Um, but I don't know much about them. I think they're just sort of featured in their own adventure and in Ghosts of Salt Marsh. Um, they're one of like the million races in D and D that are either enslaved or enslavers. Because I feel like that's just like how every single thing is written. Um, if you're not from the material plane, even if you are from the material plane, really. it's just it's just a misery, miserable life of either being enslaved or enslaving other people. You know what I mean? I feel like D and D kind of suffers from that a little
1: bit. I mean, I think it's been criticized a lot for that. Anyways, I think there's a, a push to decolonialize the sort of the texts of or
0: like just diversify it up a little bit. I mean, there it's a it's a thing that happens, but like almost every single race you read that isn't human, dwarf, or elf or whatever has a history of you know being enslaved or being an enslaver which is
1: yeah I, f- I, mean, I feel this stuff's been carried over for you know a di- from edition to edition right and yeah. at a time it was like when it was introduced it seemed like the edgy sort of cool dark thing to kind of do but like anybody's played dnd long enough and you see enough people do like oh the edgy backstory thing yeah. you're like it's not edgy anymore because everybody's done it mm-hmm. i'm like uh so yeah maybe Maybe think of something else instead. And you're right. It's just... It's unoriginal now to say, oh, you know, here's this race that was once enslaved. You're like, oh,
0: yeah. Um, otherwise, they just seem to be a, a race of
1: fish people that live along
0: coasts hunting in water and on land. But I don't know. I think you could do something more interesting with their lore, like tying them to ancient leviathans or things like that. I think it'd be interesting. But, yeah, I don't know. A bit of a niche race. The I think the main race people start to jump to is Triton
1: yeah and it's interesting because I have made a Triton very recently of course I did it in an ironic fashion because we were playing a desert campaign right and uh, yeah swimming swimming's not come up so much <laughs> in the desert um, there's some other stuff that's still pretty useful but I do I never played a Triton uh, a Triton before and it's they've got some nice innate magic the uh, fog cloud uh, wall of water um things that are just kind just of fun wind. to be able to cast uh yeah the gust of wind that's um yeah those are the nice sort of uh, especially if you are playing a more of a sort of fighter rogue sort of character of some sort or even a paladin i could see because they get the nice bump a nice bump to charisma throwing as well. a little bit of spell casting ability in on with your character it's a nice nice little mm. blend of things definitely
0: i could see them with good bars as well
1: uh they also get dark vision up to sixty
0: feet, which is a a, a new addition with Theros, I believe. Yeah, that kind of got rectified, which is great. Which is is perfect. Uh, makes a lot of sense because everybody wants a character with
1: dark vision. Yeah,
0: then your emissary of the sea feature lets you speak
1: or communicate simple ideas with beasts that breathe
0: water. Yeah, it's it's not
1: great. It's um, I mean, it's sort of like how Firbolgs can talk to forest creatures. Well, it's just like that because even though they can understand you. You can't understand that. Well, furbooks can also uh, communicate with plants as well, which is kind of. Fun. It's true. That's sort of the fun thing about you them. Can tell trees and branches and things to sort of give you more cover. Mm, it's a bit like an Aquaman thing, you know,
0: Aquaman. Yeah. Not amazing. You do now also get uh, cold resistance and two free languages, Common and Primordial, which is not too bad. Um, the resistance is definitely a, a welcome benefit that also came with Theros, if I'm if I'm if I believe. It's a huge lift. Uh, it is a huge lift. You
1: know, resistance to cold damages is great yeah um, second only to probably resistance to fire damage right well yeah i mean i think
0: fire is probably and poison is probably more important than yeah they um, come up a lot cold. Probably, those but... probably come up the most um again winter campaigns having cold re- resistance yeah, you can play that. play and Triton in Triton and, trade and uh, frost yeah. maiden campaign your be... village is frozen over and now you got to figure out what happened um i don't know that's maybe a fun fun idea um Base speed, walking speed, and swimming speed of 30 feet, and ability to breathe in air and water is a similar you'll see with a lot of these races, but this is kind of the gold standard baseline, right? You can breathe in both air and water, you have a swimming speed equal to your walking speed, you have dark vision, and you have cold resistance. Like, that's everything pretty much you need to start heading off into the waters with no fear um, of being outmatched by creatures that can swim. Right. Uh, You're one of those creatures, which is is cool. I think tritons are great the way they like three stats get a plus one. Overall, they're they're super fun. Lore wise, I think they're quite interesting um, in the way that they're sort of tied to the elemental plane of water. Um, Definitely lots of of fun stuff you can do with them and and kind of established in like people kind of know what tritons are.
1: Before they they know it, look look a thought. You don't right? see many people building them. True, I think they're fun though. I they're think kind more of people fun should. An outlier, and and I don't think you have to build it for a sea campaign. I think oh, that's my all. little caveat here. Somebody puts you in a desert campaign someplace weird or whatever. Cold. Play, play Cold. it play Triton, campaign. And people are like, "What are you doing here?" And and again, sort of have them look at like you know the person mm. like like I'm no more weird walking around here than the tiefling or the dragonborn or. You know, the Goliath or furbolg I sure. mean, really? Like Tritons aren't that weird. They're no mm. more weird than a Tabaxi. Like people play yeah, some of these locations some of these sense. races so much mm. more. And then they look at the Triton like, Oh, you're out of place. Like, you're weird.
0: Uh, Another what? race that's kind of like that is lizard folk. Um, I find a lot of people are like, mm, I don't know if I want to touch lizard folk. They feel a little bit too jungly and alien mind to me, which can be a fun thing to play into. You don't have to. Um, we've talked about lizard folks before, but in terms of thinking, are they good for the waters? Not bad. They get a nice swimming speed equal to their walking speed of 30 feet. Um, they get the ability to hold their breath for up to 15 minutes, which is not great um, in terms of comparing it with people who can breathe air and water as much as they want. Um, but you do get two free skills and a nice AC bump, um, for free anyways, which is pretty, pretty good. Um, no other spells or things. It's, it's nothing really to write home about, but it's, it's, hey, you know, swimming speed and longer ability to hold breath is always going to be good in my books. Um, so if you're, if you're like, you don't want to go all in with the water being your thing, get some other stuff, but also pick up that free swimming speed. If you're thinking of going somewhere that wouldn't maybe give you that, lizard folk is never a bad option. Um, any other thoughts on that, lizard folk? Uh, didn't think so. There's two genasi, though, which are uh, my, my, the next thing I'm going to talk two. about. Uh, one is obvious. The second one, a little less obvious, but kind of interesting. Is air the second one? Yes. And maybe I'll, I'll get to why in a second. Um, water genasi is pretty fun because it gives you acid resistance, which is a more uncommon one. You'd think it would give cold. Yeah. Um, but I think acid is something you kind of see a little bit with a lot of underwater creatures that um, do spitting or slinging you know, range attacks. Usually it is some sort of acid attack. Uh, as well which I think is, is not a terrible one to have. Uh, again ability to breathe air and water is really good. Uh, swimming speed of 30 feet and you get the shape water and the ability to create and destroy water all of which are very useful um, useful things to have tied to your constitution as well so you don't need to go caster for this. you can invest in your constitution and still have pretty good spell casting from your race which is fun. Um, The other thing, the reason I mention Air is because you gain the ability to hold your breath indefinitely while you're not incapacitated, which I think is definitely notable. Um, And this extends beyond the water. Anywhere you go, you can hold your breath as long as you want. Um, As as long as you're not incapacitated. Again, poisonous gases, things like that. Even underwater, just no matter where you are, you can hold your breath forever, Um, which, hey, pretty good um mingle with the wind is fun as well where you can levitate i don't know the effects of that underwater um but if it wouldn't be bad for launching yourself out of the water if you're you're sinking yeah, i mean some stuck, some spells i guess whoosh! some
1: spells actually suck a little bit underwater like because everybody can move in 3d already mm-hmm. a fly spell doesn't really do you a lot of good mm-hmm. underwater um so yeah and even levitate would probably fall in the same category as that although i suppose again it depends what we're trying to do say you were trying to lift a heavy treasure out as a dm i might make part of the challenge of getting a treasure heavy treasure off the bottom of the ocean the fact that it's heavy treasure i mean how are you getting it up and a levitate spell clearly could uh, answer that Mm. levitate is is a lot of
0: fun um you can keep putting people um higher and higher and higher i believe uh up to 60 feet in the air for a free 66 damage as well if you want to Um, well that's interesting in water you don't have falling damage the same way that's very true um and there's a funny like discussion on earthbind which is if a target is aloft you can force it to like descend 60 feet to the ground each turn if it's flying but the question is does it stop at the surface level of the water like does the spell end there or technically the water not the ground and it would keep going until it's you know stuck at the bottom of the ocean can earthbind hold something at the bottom of the sea i suppose it could very powerful interpretation interesting interpretation nonetheless i Mm. think it's up for debate and for you to decide as a dm um but those are your two options for genasi of course water genasi makes a little bit more sense if you're from the ocean although i played a, a sailor air genasi and had a whole lot of fun with it um next option also from the elemental plane of water, perhaps, but an underappreciated sub uh, race, I think, of
1: elf, um, yeah. referred to as the sea yeah. elf. I, was, I I made sure this one was on our list today because it's one that I think, yeah, we, we just overlook it. I mean, yeah, it's very easy not to be looking into the variants of elves. There's a lot of them. Mm, so Fair many. enough. But although, and I say there's a lot of them. Most people don't play. No. A lot of I them. don't
0: actually see a lot of elves you in my get game. Like, I see a lot of
1: half-elves. I yeah, think more half-elves well, than I and see And elves people, themselves. I mean, generally, high-elf and wood-elf are, are easy pickings, right? Um, whereas some of the other ones, I don't know. Like, I've never seen anybody play eladrin. I don't know mm-hmm. why. It's just not there. Um, there's a few things like that that could come up in it as well. But sea-elf is such an uh, interesting one. Um, what do you think that one was? that like Volos or morticanans? that elf came up sea like mordekanes maybe yeah maybe um so it was kind of introduced somewhere along the way uh mm. it's kind of fun extra piece but i think you know up there with triton if not maybe even a little bit above triton in terms yeah, of not things that. it can it can have and do mm. uh, in, in terms ter- of yeah especially again if you are really like into the idea of having a trident
0: mm. oh whether, yeah
1: whether you're martial or not yeah sea
0: elves get tridents uh-huh that's in their race which i think is something interesting that we don't see with tritons and almost builds off of like your classic despite elf weapon name. training
1: despite their name practically saying trident in it yeah. yeah
0: these ones get the tridents for free automatic proficiency with the spear trident light crossbow and net all of which all are useful the underwater weapons underwater thingy. Um, you get an innate swimming speed of 30 feet and can breathe air and water as much as you want. There again, gold standard. Which is great, because if you're knocked unconscious underwater, you're still breathing. Exactly. Uh, and Friend of the Sea, which is a special, um, even perhaps a bump up from it's the Triton, Uh yeah. where using gestures and sounds, you can communicate simple ideas with any beast that has an innate swimming speed. Um, so instead, it bases it off of creatures that can You'll see this throughout as well. A bunch of features that let you talk to swimming like creatures, underwater creatures, but they word it very differently. Like some say, while well, f- fully submerged, some say that it can have an s- innate swimming speed, some say that it can breathe underwater. It's Does it really change much? I don't know. But the it's underwater realm, it's not
1: consistent. Yeah, it doesn't have a constant syntax. Like the. a lot of things in D&D, they've worked very hard to make sure that there's like a consistent you see the same baseline. set of words each time so that you know oh i understand how this rule works but yeah when you start wording it differently each time it i think that has largely to do though with the fact that this is a underplayed uh separates well just or an underplayed environment sure um we don't do underwater stuff that often in fact most dms even good dms when they find themselves thinking about doing underwater tend to want to look up that underwater combat rules again just Mm -hmm. uh to refresh because you're like oh yeah it's all different underwater, isn't it? Yeah, um, it is, and it's hard. It's it's a t- much more difficult environment. Um, hence why I'm I'm planning to use it because I have a bunch of uh, DM friends who are playing, who are all incredibly good players uh, mm. as well, uh, who tend to make characters who are are just really, really fine tuned. Yeah, um, and work incredibly well together. So making stuff challenging for them is. Well, a challenge, and uh, and so yeah. This time I thought, okay, well, here you go, boys. Have some, uh, have a, a little bit of under of underwater action to see how uh, that might slow you down. Hmm.
0: And that's a very select sort of you know range of races. And so if you're not going to pick one of those and go with your classic human, whatever, um, there's still or maybe tiefling. There's still a couple ways that you can get yourself moving about in the water, no problem. Um, and we're going to be talking a little bit about subclasses first then maybe going into some other options um for you like spells as well items i don't know if we have any items um but first up that i immediately jump to is the warlock class sure which gives you straight up if you pick the fathomless subclass a swimming speed of 40 feet even better than the gold standard um and the ability to breathe underwater um which is i feel pretty pretty good um you also get a lot of spells like create and destroy water. Um, Sleet storm, you know, control water at higher levels, lightning bolts, summon water elementals, things like that, that are you know all very oceany, which is kind of nice. At sixth level as well, you get resistance to cold damage, and while you're fully submerged, any creature that is also fully submerged doesn't even need to be beasts or anything that are, are have a swimming speed or can whatever breathe water. They also understand your speech, and you can understand theirs. So it's a bit of a, a bump up from that
1: as well That's for handy. anyone. Um, by sixth it, level, you're you're going underwater. Some time ago, we actually did a uh, a bit of a fathomless build. It was actually a, a dual-class druid, druid slash warlock. Yeah, uh, I remember Salem them. charms. We played around with that a little bit. So if you're interested, you guys can go back and have a little look at that episode. That. Although I, I wouldn't think sort of hindsight she was necessarily my favorite or she best wasn't, sort of yeah, build wasn't really min max that much but, but um but the idea was you know and i still stay i still believe this in my heart most of the time building a building a character doesn't have to be about min maxing mm. it's often just about trying to get an interesting feel totally give them some cool stuff that you like to do um you know something that sort of plays into their character uh and yeah the fathomless warlock obviously you know, if you are building a piratey character, it sounds great. Um, it was wild that we chose druid for her as well. I can't quite remember why that was. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it was would, you druid, ocean, would you put you druid? Would well, you put druid in an
0: ocean setting? Really? Well, I think the useful thing there is wild shape, but you got
1: to be at least fourth level I'm before that starts to feel the benefit. I'm wondering if wild companion was the real from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything.
0: Could be it. Could be
1: it. Did we want to have like a little fey parrot or something for her?
0: Yeah, that was a cute little option. That's a good idea. Okay. It's mm. kind of fun. Or just go pack to the chain and get yourself a familiar. She had with a starry that. form as well.
1: Mm. That's not bad. No sure. Circles. Which stars. again, you know, kind of for navigating at sea and, you know, all it the makes night a stuff. Bit of sense, yeah. 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 Kind of fits in. Um, also good
0: for healing if you want to have a bit of that option as well. Whatever. We're back on track. Um, mm-hmm. War- Fathomless Warlock, I-, I-, I like as a new addition to the game, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, you do get a lot of tentacle stuff, and yeah. so if that's not well, really your deal, you know what? The, re-flavor
1: it. The, the Gift of Sea, the swimming speed, is pretty amazing because it's not just usual 30 feet. It's 40, 40 feet. feet. Yeah, next level which up. Is quite a, a nice little extra bump of distance, mm.
0: uh, which is great. Yeah, pretty good. Um, so there's, there's your option there. And if you're not going with that subclass, I know there's also a fifth level invocation called Gift of the Depths that lets you get yourself a swimming speed and the ability to breathe underwater no matter what as well so you could still go fiend hexblade whatever and still be at home underwater um the next class that I, i'd have a look at um but only i think i think this is sort of a footnote is is the um aberrant mind sorcerer which at 14th level gets us sw- um the ability to give themselves a swimming speed equal to twice their walking speed and the ability to breathe underwater which is 60 feet swimming speed you're zipping around but um it's not until way, way late game, so it doesn't even feel worthwhile to mention, Yeah, um, unfortunately. Um, and for those that get a, a faster walking speed, put long strider on yourself ahead of time, and now you're zipping around 80 feet, 90 feet, however often, however much, um, every single turn, which is pretty fast. Uh, I don't know, otherwise they're not amazing, besides the ability to cast some spells, which give yourself um, some watery adaptability, but we'll get to that a bit later. The next one is a bit of a a surprise from the critical role side of things, which we saw Ford take. Not too much spoilers, hopefully. Um, Oath of the Open Sea, uh, which gives you some, again, fun, watery spells, um, but also interesting options that kind of free up your companions without explicitly giving you a swimming speed, which I don't know why it never really does that. Um, I I suggest already coming in with Sea Elf or Triton um, before you take this. Because um, it, it won't overlap too much like some of these other options will. But at 7th level, which is your your key feature here in terms of underwater adventure, you and everyone within 10 feet of you can't be grappled or restrained, which is good for all the things with tentacles or bites yeah, or whatever that are off grapple you. a
1: fair number of things. If you check our episode last week... Mm, uh, underwater especially. We were talking about some ablisks and things, and yeah. uh, grappling is bad when they show up.
0: But the kicker as well is that you... Um, creatures can ignore penalties on movement and attacks while underwater. So essentially, though they don't get an innate swimming speed, you give everyone back their full movement while they're underwater, as well as the ability to attack freely, which is, you know, everyone will be thanking you, even if you're not primarily in in an ocean campaign. And I think that's kind of the design philosophy surrounding this subclass. It's not really expecting that you're going to be in the water all the time, it's expecting that you're going to be other, going other places, and so it's sort of built to fit that, but in the you know situations where you do end up in the water, that little detail will be super useful for you and your friends who are maybe not adapted to swimming super fast or evading all the little tentacles that will be trying to drag you down even deeper. Um, I think it's a fun option. They get some special spells as well, which I think is a new errata to that, but interesting to check out if you're if you're looking for something to read sometime the next option I, I think i mentioned it briefly is the scout rogue
1: um which i think is a you've played a scout i did before. i did uh swimming never came up mm. strangely yeah uh I, I can't i didn't even realize until you're like hey scout's a great way to get sw- some swimming up and i'm like what mm. really
0: yeah it gives you a 40 foot climbing and swimming speed that adjusts alongside your walking speed um, with the the boost to superior mobility, uh, on top of expertise in nature and survival, you're probably going to know a, a lot about everything under the waves. Yeah, um, and it's, and with I, skirmisher, it, if these big fishes and yeah. sharks are coming close, you can zip
1: away that is right, uh, under right. the water as well. And I, I I never, when you know, in the time I played that campaign, really needed either of those uh, swimming or climbing speeds. It just it just really wasn't sort of a campaign that came out you know, with that sort of thing. So, um, Mm. and actually now in hindsight, I really, there's actually probably a few situations where I probably could have leaned into the climbing more side of things. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, I I just sort of in retrospect thinking back and it's a while ago now, but maybe I just, I really just think about that part of my character sheet. I didn't see it very much. I didn't really clue into how important understanding your various, you know, movement types really can be. Uh, a huge difference in a game uh sometimes the your ability to get somewhere on a especially if you're playing tactical grids and things you know where you can get to changes a huge amount of what you can do for a party so you you want the best mobility you can there's nobody ever said oh i wish i didn't move so much Mm, totally um
0: and if you're like ah i want to be my party rogue but we're in an underwater campaign how useful will i be when I, i can't even use a spear um no fear. Take Sea Elf, and suddenly... I mean, it's not really a dexterity weapon. What's a good dexterity weapon under... I guess dagger is still your best option if you want to get off your sneak attack. Crossbows. Um, crossbows work. Do they work underwater? They That's, do, indeed. Rather than bows, short bows don't, yeah, yeah. right? But crossbows do. Yeah. There you go. Um, go scout, crossbow... One level, one level dip into fighter, and mm-hmm. you have a heavy crossbow. Why not? Uh, fun option right there. I think perhaps... Like you said, even if you've played a scout, you might not even have noticed that little little kicker right there. Yeah, how, um, how good that mm, it is ninth level. It be. only kicks in at ninth level, though. Oh, so right. it is a bit of a while before you get that. that but could be wide if you're remember. playing a higher level thing. Then not bad. Um, Druid. Again, like we mentioned before, not really any subclass besides like, almost like a sub subclass hmm.
1: within Circle of Land that gives you anything to do with the water. Sure. I actually thinking for a second though. I did actually do a. So we're talking very much underwater on, on these ones right now, mm-hmm. but if you are doing more of a piratey on the ship sort of setting, um, you know the Swashbuckler by very much by its name sort of says, "Hey, this is a I I should be a piratey type." Yeah, it doesn't give you anything of, to do with the water though. It, very little, but if you were dancing around on a ship and you want a sort of character that's kind of dexterous, um not a bad option also if you're doing a blended uh sort of class that you want a pirate who's real skill monkey lots of skills and stuff uh college of swords mm, uh totally. you know uh blended with
0: like a CL for a triton or something yeah it'll be a lot of fun
1: well that's it you do that and then yeah swashbuckler and college of swords with the mm-hmm. innate underwater fighting skills oh man yeah you, now you've built a really great pirate yeah. duelist underwater duelist yeah they can sure. do anything Um, Um, Yeah, the last option
0: that we're going to talk about, uh, at least the one last one I have, is two options, two little paths you can go down if you want to get swimming speed as a barbarian. Um, And there's two subclasses that offer it, one of them a bit older, the Storm Herald, and one a bit newer, uh, Path of the Beast. I'll start with Storm Herald. Uh, One of the three options is the Sea, which you can activate as sort of an aura Uh, Which at lower levels just sort of does lightning damage, but by sixth level, it gives you resistance to lightning damage, the ability to breathe underwater, and a swimming speed of 30 feet. Does not scale with your walking speed, so you're going to keep, you know, you're still going to be stuck at 30 feet while you're moving much faster as a barbarian, but it's okay. Um, And finally, at um, super high levels, the sea lets you, whenever things um, try and hit you while within, you know, some sort of range of you, I believe it's it's pretty good range, uh, 10 feet range. Um, anything that hits you within that area, you can, um, force it to make a strength save or be knocked prone, which again, I don't know what, what's the rules for being prone in the water. I don't know how useful that is, but
1: on land there's a little flavor right there. It's a funny thing cause it is a funny thing underwater cause uh, what the hell does prone look like underwater? So you could be not, I mean, it's one thing he's saying, Oh, I'm, I'm standing on the seabed mm. and I get knocked prone. But if you're again, we're thinking underwater when you to be thinking three dimensionally. Yeah. And so you're sort of floating there and something knocks you prone. Is it still just kind of like, it's upended you that you're just conf- like somehow, right? you know, upside down or you got, you know, getting water in your nose or something. And it, it, It's gonna take. It's gonna take you know a half year movement to sort of get yourself reorient yourself, reoriented in a way that allows you to swim. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, because you're not really getting up off of anything. Mm. Um, yeah. It's so. I guess you know this is again stuff where, as a DM, you've got some difficult calls you're gonna have to make on how you're gonna adjudicate things fairly. Uh, Tricky, tricky, tricky stuff.
0: Mm. It's true. The last option you have is Path of the Beast, which gives you a couple things. I think you could do it for, you know, a classic sort of fishy, you know, beastly general, you know, shifting form. Or you go very eldritch with it. Take the tail option for your natural weapon, which could be more of a tendril that pierces people yep. um, at, at a reach, which is nice. And you can use it to defend yourself. Um, at 6th level, you can also give yourself a swimming speed and the ability, equal to your walking speed, so this one does scale a bit better than Storm Herald and the ability to breathe underwater, but if, say, you're not in the water for some reason um, on a certain adventuring day, no worries, swap it out, you can give yourself a climbing speed, um, you can give yourself much better jumps couple options there and at 10th level the the real sort of i think eldritch thing sort of comes in where whenever you hit someone you can force them to make a wisdom save or take psychic damage um which i think is very funny or have them attack someone else um like another creature of your choice that they can see um using uh, their reaction so fun options there uh and call of the hunt as well generally path of the beast is a very strong subclass and it's also good if you want to play an underwater campaign so there's something to consider right there as well um, while also very adaptable. And that's mostly, uh, I, we did some scouring and tried to remember everything. I might have missed a couple, but I feel like that's in, in recollection all of your
1: options. Yeah. Um, or most of your options, at least. I wanted to point out something for for DMs now Okay. as well. Um, if you are thinking about doing some ocean-y type things, and you're like, hmm, I want to do some ships and stuff, uh if you've got access to Ghosts of the Saltmarsh, possibly mm-hmm. through D&D Beyond or whatever, Appendix A of Ships and Sea uh, is pretty awesome. It gives you ship stat blocks, uh, basic stats from like how much space is on it, capacity, traveling speed. Shows you how ship ability scores kind of work and what actions they can take. Um, gives you some things for like, you know, how much damage they can take and things like that. And a few different types of ships, size-wise, different things, stat blocks for them, maps sort of for them. Useful. uh, It's quite nice. uh, For things like small, like as keelboats to big as galleons and warships and rowboats and all sorts of different things at different sizes and, you know, gives you some sample ideas of sort of different types of crewmates and things you might find on board, you know, captains and first mates bosuns and quartermasters surgeons cooks mm. uh it talks about mutinies and shore leaves uh there's mm. like you know how different sort of vessels you might run into as well like you know some sort of frost locked hull locked in the ice or some living vessel or somebody who's got a reinforced hull who's ramming things mm. um dragon sails or screaming sails or scything oars neat stuff right like yeah all of those sorts of things sort of add a lot of that sort of fantasy cool factor into your sea campaign um which i think is pretty exciting yeah make a good sea shanty as well yeah exactly why not um you know there's weapon upgrades people talk you know whether or not you've got gunpowder in your game maybe you've Mm. got you know some sort of arcane artillery of some sort or something be fun um or you've just got a big ballista up on the the fo'c'sle, I don't know. Um, different things. And of course, you know, there's, gosh, there's Taskmaster drums, the so drum beats for your oar crews make them go faster. There's all sorts of stuff like crashing a ship, how much damage that does to a ship, um, what it might do to people on it, travel paces for how you travel at sea, activities while at sea, um, how do you forage while at sea, uh, things that, you know, first mates and quartermasters can do in terms of like raising morale or navigating or repairing things if you're bosun Mm. stuff like that uh and then of course there's hazards nothing like storms at sea you could just do you know characters in their ship versus the elements um umberlee is a good god of the sea she's sort of an evil mean god but um you know a lot of sailors pray to her anyways to keep her like chill um you bring that into it somehow And I sort of think, you know, these things are all here. Like there's stuff for storms, storm DCs, storm handlings. It's just amazing amount of resources in this one appendix. Like, It is a a whole book on, you know, gosh, all sorts of stuff in here. Fogs, you got everything from Eldritch Fogs to Ghost Fogs to Shadowfell Fogs, Wild Magic Fogs. Kelp Forest, Krakens, oh man, you name it, Magic Storms, mm. so much good stuff in here. Can't even, you know, uh, you know. We, we could talk for hours just going through just Appendix A of Ghost of the Salt Marsh. It is one of the most fantastic resources for ship-based stuff. There's random mm-hmm. tables for generating all sorts of encounters, sh- for generating pirates um, Ships, crews, diseased crews, mysterious islands are on here. Um, And like, wow, right? Like, and it just goes on and on. So many very, very cool things. Uh, So, yeah, if you are doing a, even thinking about it, oh, how would I do it? I, you know, do I need to find, you know, an adventure, you know, published adventure or something? I'm like, well, I mean, there is Ghosts of Salt Marsh to start with if you wanted, or just this little thing in the back and start whipping up some stuff. Mm. Also, new out, or newishly out, uh, Fitzbands, 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 Treasury of Dragons? Uh, yeah, we got a new dragon for... Oh, for the oceans. Yeah. Well,
0: Besides turtle dragons, which I we think we're We now have the
1: ancient deep dragon. Do we? It doesn't have to be ancient. It could be less, but we have deep dragons, mm-hmm. uh, which are pretty interesting. Uh, again, if you're a DM who wants to sort of surprise your players with you know, hey, they don't call it Dungeons and Dragons for nothing, man. If you want to throw a dragon in there that's sea-based, you have uh, you have a dragon. It's a CR 18, so that's a thing. Um, it's got dark vision up to 300 feet, man. Are,
0: are deep dragons underwater things or are they under dark things?
1: I think they're
0: underwater. I think they're...
1: I don't know. I thought it had a swimming speed. Oh, does it? Mm, could do. Um, heard of deep dragons, here. Gosh, being egg in my face if I'm wrong about that. Yeah, it does swim forty feet.
0: Sunless, hell, well hidden caves or sunless beaches in the underdark. And these sites are often inaccessible. without the ability to fly or dive underwater, so they could be, yeah be underwater. But I think they're mostly deep. Dragons are just super super deep under the water. Or under the,
1: under the, yeah,
0: under the land. But there's, there's could no, be
1: water. no reason if you're doing an underwater thing, you couldn't, you couldn't use a yeah, deep, dragon. deep dragon. Um, it's, the it's like, you know, it is a dragon that basically says, yeah, I can be underwater. Yeah. Where the other dragons, eh, not so much.
0: Yeah. Pretty cool. It's got like lots of spory things as well, which are kind of interesting. Um, and nightmare breath could go well with some other of the,
1: uh, what does it breathe, breathe underwater? Go through its stat block.
0: No, it doesn't say it is amphibious. It just says it does have a... Again, just make it amphibious. Yeah, how hard would that be to do, right? How hard is that exactly? Um, Yeah, I don't know. Again, now I'm just scrolling through Fizban's treasury of all sorts of draconians, and there's lots of stuff, stuff that you can offer to your players to make interesting encounters with all sorts of um, creatures underwater. I mean, if you really want some inspiration, head to D&D Beyond, open up the Monster tab, filter by environment <laughs> underwater, and you've just got yeah. yourself a big list of creatures that can feasibly exist under the sure. water. Um, and then from there on out, look for those that can't and make them fit underwater would be my suggestion if you're looking for new interesting ideas or concepts. Uh, there are sea serpents as well um, that are, are detailed a little bit later in the, in the bestiary. Um, which rank alongside Dragon Turtles. Um, they also count as big gargantuan dragons, scary-looking things with ability to constrict you, bite you, big siege monsters, um, and like a rhyme breath that can do uh, heaps of cold damage. So this might be a true competitor to your um, to your tritons or your sea elves. Yeah. Um, or like some sort of Sahuaghan clan is trying to resurrect uh, an ancient sea serpent. I could see things like that. But yeah, lots of fun options out there, for sure. Well, folks, that's all we that's, have that's I my, think for now.
1: My short list, anyways, of mm. uh, of nautical, seaborne stuff. There is, there is more. There is actually uh, a lot of stuff published. It's not. It's not. What would you say? Like you know, the sort of stuff that's at the the front of the store. This is stuff that you gotta sort of you know head to the back and dig around a bit to find definitely but it's there uh there's actually lots and lots to build an adventure around it makes it easy to do so uh so yeah uh, give it all a go there's fun things for your players to try out uh there's things that are surprises as well the one thing i, I wanted to mention turtles. for some reason i thought you know they'd be great underwater they'd have like some eh. sort of uh, you know water based thingy they do have a small one right yeah like a little bit of like a whole they can breath, hold their breath for, for 10, 10 minutes 10 or 10 something
0: minutes. i think it's a bit longer one hour right is it
1: or is it one hour i don't know something like that anyway so they got one little thing where it's kind of like yeah okay so the, if you drop a turtle in water they they don't have any particularly special skills get out mm. but you're not going to likely they're drown heavy one. too they're damn heavy 400 pounds per turtle just from the shell <laughs> alone like <laughs> Maybe that's why they, they don't have a huge swimming speed. I don't know. Uh, anyways, they're more tortoise than turtle, I guess. Mm,
0: yeah. Maybe subrace possibility. Give them more of a swimming counterpart. I don't see why not.
1: Yeah, that's maybe not so good on land. Mm. The sea turtle variant. Yeah. Sea turtles. Sea turtle. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for joining us. Have, have a you. great week. And
0: uh, yeah, keep Bye-bye.